This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I was interested in the words that came out this morning. Um, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start reading from verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He wasn't speaking about people at that point. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. As a preacher, they're hard messages to give sometimes. There's certain key ones. It's the ones when everybody comes to church. Easter, Christmas, New Year. Because everybody's heard all the messages. And I thought about that and I was thinking about what it was that I wanted to speak on this morning. And for some other reason... This one kind of kept wondering and wondering and milling around, and it didn't come to me all that easily. But anyway, we're here and we're going with it. But the point is, what's important for me in a message like this, particularly going into a new, new year, is it's the start of new things. And I think what's really important when you're going into new things is to pe- keep people encouraged, to get them at a place where they recognize that God is good. And God has good things in store for them. To put them at a place where they live in the expectation of good things in 2020. (laughs) Whatever the next one is, the next one. It's important, I think, to have something that's motivational. That keeps us ground, that, that, that is focused on all the goodness that God has for us. But if we're just purely focused on motivational, it ends up being bubble and froth because it's nothing that we can build our life on. That's the problem with so many New Year resolutions is that people get into it and they have all of these wonderful ideas and these grand commitments that they're going to spend their life for the next year committed to and it lasts all of about six days and then they just peter out and die. And what we found is that last year looks a lot like this year looks a lot like next year and our life doesn't change. So I want to give you something this morning, and I want to speak about something this morning that I believe is going to motivate you to understand that God is good and he has a fabulous future for you. But at the same time, I want to give you some building blocks so that you can take those things and you can begin to implement them and move into a new dimension of your life that you've never experienced. I think that's good news. Life is full of seasons. Life is full of chapters. Life is full of invitations into new encounters with different things. And every time we move into a new dimension of where we are, we let go of where we were and we step into something new. And when we step into newness, the thing about those situations is invariably they come with challenges. If it didn't come with challenge, we refer to it as a blessing. And that usually comes from God. But anything in life usually comes with challenges because you're going to have to navigate your way through that. It doesn't matter if you've just moved to a place where you've just stepped into what it means to be an adult. Discovering what it means to be an adult may be exciting and it may give you license to do a whole bunch of stuff, but it comes with responsibility. 
And the thing is that when you move into that space, you have to understand that once you start moving your life forward as an adult, you're going to have choices to make. And when you make good choices, you have good outcomes. Sometimes when we make bad choices, things don't work out the way that we anticipate and the way that we expect. Every time we're introduced to a new season, to a new opportunity, what comes our way is the requirement that we be able to step into that in the best understanding possible. The more you understand what you're stepping into, the more you are equipped to move into a successful dimension of that. The challenge with it is, is that when we move to that place when new things are coming at us, when we step into what it means to be a husband, when we step into adulthood, when we step into what it means to start my own business and be entrepreneurial, all of those things offer opportunity, but they come with a whole bunch of challenges. Challenges in life are not something that we should be surprised about. The thing about it is sometimes we make our lives more complicated and we make them more complex because we make decisions that are not particularly good. And so it compounds an issue and makes it worse. Sometimes what ends up happening is we allow circumstances to influence us in a way that affects our disposition to things. And so we get negative and we get down. We get depressed and we get unsettled because we allow the challenges of life to have influence over us. Everything that's coming in our direction is demanding something of us. And the more we're equipped to handle that, the better your life will be. The challenge with it is invariably when we step into newness, we step into a minefield because you don't know what's around the next corner. And when people step into life and they recognize the fact that at any moment something good could go off involuntarily, they adapt different approaches to life. Some people are carefree and they just go trotting through things and they get blown up left, right and center and they come out all over and life is just a big wreck. Some people are tentative and I never want to do anything and I don't want to move because I don't want anything to happen and I sit here and nothing happens in life and I stay where I am. If we understand our purpose in a situation, it puts us in a place where we become equipped to move through a circumstance and situation in a healthy way. When you understand your purpose as a husband, it equips you to move and to navigate that space in a far healthier way than if you don't know what it means. When you simply step into being a wife and you have no clue what that is, you start stepping into a landmine. When you step into your teenage years, You step into a landmine unless you understand what it is to be a child. What it is to be a place where you honor your parents. That wasn't the funny part. (laughs) When we understand our purpose in different arenas, when you understand what it is to be an entrepreneur, you are positioned to move into a place where you can navigate those waters in a far more effective way than when you're not. It doesn't mean that challenges aren't going to be there. But the thing is, you become equipped to be able to handle those. And you can maneuver and you can move yourself through those spaces. Genesis 1 verse 26 speaks about the fact that man was created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. That in and of itself is cause enough to celebrate. There are aspects to who you are that yet set you apart from every other aspect of creation. 
You were created as a spiritual being. Nothing else in creation was created that way. You, have, you are a spirit being living a natural experience. You are a person who is endowed with morality. You have within you the ability to discern between what is right and wrong. And to make just choices about how you want to move your life forward. Because you understand that there, is, there are aspects to morality that influence that decision. You're created with a capacity to be a person who is creative. Creative. Don't be boring in the way you dress. Don't be boring in the way you live. Give expression to who you are because you were born with creativity. Be you. Live it. You need creativity in life because no matter what you end up doing, it's going to make a demand on creativity. The reason that we have technology today like we have. The reason that we have fundamental basic little things called the wheel is because somebody got creative and had a look at things and said, you know what? What if I was to take this and use this to, to add value to society? It's creativity. When was the last time you saw a cow come up with anything? <laughs> it doesn't happen. Why? Because it wasn't built in the image of God. Your gender the fact that you are masculine and feminine, it's part of your nature and it's there for a reason. It imbues who you are and it's there because of what you're going to do and God, what God is going to introduce you to is going to place a demand on that on the inside of you. Every aspect that we have to us that, is, that is, makes us unique as human beings and that separates us makes us f- fantastic creatures, fearfully and wonderfully made. And although we look at those things and we celebrate the fact that God made us in an incredible way, it still doesn't answer the question. Why did he make us in his image? Why were you made in his image? God does nothing without purpose. You were created in his image. And if you read on in the text, what it says is the reason that you were created in his image. Because you were a creation with purpose. You have purpose to your life. The reason that God took you and God created within you the ability to be a spiritual being. The reason that he created you with creativity, with morality, with intellectuality. The ability to think and the ability to process is because it sets you apart from everything else. But not only that, he created you in a place where he wanted you to be vocationally set apart. You were here with purpose. So I need to know what the purpose of God is. What did he do? Why did he create me in his image? Because he wants you to rule and reign. You were created in his image with purpose. And the purpose that you were created was to rule and to reign. To be prosperous. I think of it this way. If you were to take a glove... And you were to make a glove. You would take it and you would put it together. And you would sew it. And the good thing about a glove is. It gives you warmth. And it protects your hand. It was created for the image of your hand. You were created for God. But you know what? The reason you were created that way. Was because you were a perfect fit for his nature and his life. To come on the inside. 
You see, it's when God's nature and God's life becomes part of the fact that we were created in his image, that all of a sudden, all of everything that we were created with suddenly becomes alive. And we recognize the fact that there's purpose in everything. You don't know why you were a spiritual being until you got born again and all of a sudden you were introduced to purpose and you recognize the reason that I'm a spiritual being is because I can connect with him. There's purpose to the fact that you were spiritual because he and I can have relationship. He and I can get to the place where we can share. He and I get to the place where he can make deposits into my life that are designed to expand me and make me something new and different. There is purpose to the fact that you were spiritual, but you didn't know it until a hand went in the glove. People in this day and age don't understand the purpose of their gender. It's when you get to the place where all of a sudden his hand goes into the glove that you begin to recognize the fact that my masculinity and my femininity are here for a reason. Because God said the two parts shall become one. And when the two parts shall become one, they shall replenish the earth. It's called family. It's for purpose. But if we don't understand that, what ends up happening is we abuse it. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, it talks about the fact that God put man in the garden to tend the garden. God put man in the garden to tend the garden. He didn't put man in the garden and say, look after this tree. He said, tend to the garden. Every one of us are born into a garden. There is a garden that constitutes your life. It is your marriage. It is your kids. It is your vocation. It is where you play sports. It's the people you mix with. It's the church you go to. You have a place called your garden. The challenge with lots of people is they put into their garden and what ends up happening is because they have a talent or an ability in certain areas, what ends up happening is they do really well in their career, but the rest of the garden is full of weeds. I'm tending to the tree, but the garden's going to pot. Ah, that's appropriate in this day and age. (laughs) God called you and he put you in a garden to tend to the garden. You are to rule and reign in your garden. It means in every aspect of your garden, everything that constitutes your life, everything that touches who you are, you are to be at a place where you have influence over. And you put yourself at a place so that it begins to conform to what his design is. The reason that we have the hand in the glove is because when the hand comes into the glove, the hand is looking for expression through the glove. What ends up happening is everything that I do, every time I live out of purpose, every time I take something so that it begins to reflect wholeness and goodness, any time it becomes fruitful and it becomes wholesome and because it should be something that gives glory to who he is. That's what it's all about. People at the church love the idea about ruling and reigning. And they should, because it's a promise from God. It's a fundamental mandate. First one given to man. 
The challenge with it is, is that we find it so hard to walk into it. And they're sitting there and they're trying to understand how is it that I'm able to walk into my mandate to rule and to reign. And for many people, they understand that ruling and reigning is a term that refers to royalty. It refers to what it is to act as a king, to act on behalf of the king of kings in subjection to him. So it's to take something called authority and to exercise that authority. There's nothing wrong with authority. Authority is good and authority is important. The problem with it is, is that we have too much of the church that go around confessing authority to this and authority that and authority the next thing. They're confessing all over the place. And the challenge with it is that authority doesn't come from confession. Authority comes from purpose. Authority comes from purpose. If you don't understand purpose in a situation and you don't understand why God has put you in that situation, if you don't understand what it is to be a father and you don't understand what God has called you to do in that, you can't just use and have liberty going around confessing whatever you want and thinking that arbitrarily things are going to happen. We have the body of Christ confessing all kinds of stuff that are outside of purpose. And the world looks at it and they're like, they're a little nutty. There is a place for confession, but understand this. The mandate that God has given us is this. He's called us to rule and to reign. To rule and to reign is to take his image and to reflect it. To rule and to reign is to take a a, a righteous uh, mandate and to introduce and establish that as a norm in our lives. That's what he's called us to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. When you seek first the kingdom of God and you're having a look what God wants to do in a situation, what are you doing? I'm looking for purpose. Tell me, Father, how do I step into this arena right now and how do I understand what my role is in this situation? Because when I understand my role in this situation, I'm seeking first the kingdom, not my idea, not my preference, not what I think I should be doing. Show me for the kingdom. Why is it important? Because provision comes to purpose. When you discover and you understand your purpose, provision comes to purpose. Authority comes to purpose. But you can't just live in authority because there's so much more that's required to walk into the fullness of what it is to rule and reign. There are times you're going to need wisdom. You can't just go around saying, well, I changed this and I changed that and I changed it and I'm taking authority. You don't wisdom. You have some wisdom in situations. There's sometimes where you, what you really need in, when you're moving into a new dimension is you need to, to be, have favor. There are times where you need power. There are times where you need creativity. Provision comes to purpose. When you discover your purpose and what it is that you're trying to do in that situation, what it is that God has called you to do and what God's design is, and you begin to walk into that, that's when you can place a demand on the provision necessary to fulfill that. Our provision becomes important to us. But things happened over time. Adam and Eve had that little apple incident. And things changed. And man was left with a glove, without the hand. It's important 
because in some ways it has redefined the way that we look at creation. For many in the contemporary church, their Bible begins in Genesis chapter 3 from the fall. And it runs from the fall to the redemption. Jesus is important. Jesus is fundamental to everything. Because when Jesus came and Jesus died, when Jesus rose from the dead, what he did is he created opportunities for us to get back into right relationship with God. It was really important. Why did Jesus come and why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus rise from the dead? For redemption. To redeem us. What does it mean? It means he died so that the hand could come back into the glove. The hand had been absent. Jesus died so that the hand could come back into the glove. What was the purpose of redemption? The challenge for the modern church is that we've never really answered the purpose of redemption. And the purpose of redemption goes beyond Before Genesis chapter 3, it goes back to Genesis chapter 1. You were designed with purpose. We have a preoccupation with getting people born again. It's a good thing. We need to get them born again. The problem with it is we always go back to Genesis chapter 3. You lost it. Here's your redemption. So what have we ended up happening with? We've ended up happening in a modern day context where we have a whole bunch of people who are super spiritual. But they're detached from their humanity. I'm detached from our humanity. I spend my life. Please hear what I'm saying because I don't want you to misrepresent this because this is really important. I spend my life sitting worshiping and praising God in my prayer closet. And I spent forever reading my daily devotionals. And I spent forever wanting to grow in this. And I spent forever wanting to go and study the next thing. And I really want to go in there. I want to get into this, that. And, and I want to understand what God has for me over here. And I'm growing up spiritually. The problem with it is I'm detached from my humanity. The reason that God's doing something in you spiritually is to affect your purpose. You want to know why America looks like it does today? Because we've lost sight of purpose. Well, we don't want to indulge in humanity because we're Christians. God never created you that way. God created you as human beings. You were a human being before you met Jesus. And you will be a human being after you get born again. God created you that way. It is important because it's not to sit and say that the spiritual dimension doesn't have value to us. It is so important because it becomes the the catalyst for everything that happens in our life. It's the source of everything that happens in our life. The point is we've become like the Red Sea. We let it flood into our lives, but we don't do anything with it. We don't do anything with it. The reason that Jesus created that opportunity was because what he was doing was sitting saying, I want to reintroduce you to purpose. I want you to understand that there is a reason that you're in the situations that you're in. 
And if you're not identifying it, you're stepping on landmines. If you don't know why you are where you are, invariably you're probably making a few wrong decisions. You want to know why things are blowing up all over the place? Go back and discover purpose. When I go back and I sit and say, Father, you know what? You've put me in this place where you have made me to be a husband. Give me definition. Give me an understanding as to what is your purpose as a husband. Things will change. What ends up happening is we have two people and I think you're cute and you think I'm funny. And we think that's a good enough reason to get married. The problem with it is when we get married, you arrive with your car and I arrive with mine. And in the trunk of your car and in the trunk of mine is all our history, all our ideas, all our preconceptions, everything that's informed us, all of our scary things, all of our good things, all of our abilities, all of our preoccupations, everything comes to the party. And then what ends up happening is we both start living out of the junk in the trunk. And we, I don't understand why marriage is such a, a, a problem. And the challenge with it is God says, you've lost your purpose. You lost your purpose. If you go back and you get back with the glove inside of your purpose, God will introduce you to the fact that, you know what? There is something called truth. And on everything and every matter, God has an insight and truth. And what he's saying is when you take that truth and you introduce it to your, marriage, to, to your marriage, what should end up happening is the two of you being people who were made in God's image should recognize truth and say, it doesn't matter about my opinion. I know it may, may make me feel uncomfortable and I might even not like the fact that I have to apologize because I was wrong. But that's truth. And the whole purpose of truth is it brings together collectively truth should be something that both parties buy into and they sit and say that's right no matter how i feel or what i think why because when that happens the two become one and when the two become one you can build on something why purpose is important teach me what it is to be a father. If you're going to rely on your history to be a good father, you're going to end up in trouble. If you rely on textbooks to be a good father, you can end up in trouble. If you rely on Dr. Phil to be a good father, you're going to end up in trouble. Why? Because all of those things may have some bits and pieces that they want to put into the mix, but none of them have a monopoly on truth. None of them understand purpose like he does. He created you for that. And when you move into that space and you sit and say, give me an understanding of my purpose as a father. What he begins to do is reveal things to you. Because you are not dealing with a production line. You are dealing with someone who is created in the image of God. And those little individuals created in the image of God all grew up with the same mother and father, under the same roof, in the same environment, and they're all completely different. Why? Because they were all made for their own purpose. And so I need ongoing wisdom 
to understand in a very moving and fluid environment where they're growing and exposed to different things on an ongoing basis. How do I handle this? Give me purpose here. What am I putting into them? What am I getting them to recognize in terms of who they are? What am I drawing out of them in terms of their personality? What am I affirming in terms of who their gender is and what they should be? What is my role in this so that I can rule and reign as a father? Discover your purpose. Discover your purpose. Our purpose. Jesus really. Let me do this in a different way. When we get to a place, when we discover and we start move into moving into being conformed to his image it becomes the bridge between my calling and my purpose what i mean by that is this jesus as lord and savior becomes the equivalent of like the hand in the glove I need to understand him because every time I gain an aspect and an understanding of who he is or an aspect of who he is, it fundamentally shifts who I am and what I'm all about. I may think certain things about what it is to be a husband, what it is to be a wife, but when I'm put in a situation where suddenly I discover that, you know what? Love conquers all. Oh, that's a hard one, hey? Because I got lots of opinions about it. The point is when I move into something like that. In a discovery of an aspect of who he is. I'm to be conformed to his image. And when I allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do things in my life. When I allow him begin to make changes on the inside of me and who I am. What ends up happening is he takes who I am and he begins to reconstruct me. And when I, he does a change in me, the way that I view my purpose begins to shift. I didn't see it that way before. I used to be very functional. Do A, B, and C because this is what the thing is. That's just the life. But then God introduced me to compassion. And suddenly things changed. Because I was able to relate to where that person was. I've never walked in their shoes. But the thing is I recognize the fact that you know what? You've walked a different journey to me. I don't know why you like you are. But I'm not critical anymore. Because I can encourage you in it. What's happening? Every time we get something from him, which is a download, any time we get something from him, which is a valuable deposit into my life, it's designed to do something on the inside of me, to stir me up a little bit, to change me a little bit, so that when I view my purpose, all of a sudden my purpose becomes more expanded. And I'm able to introduce more value into that situation in my life. God never got us born again so that we can come to church and be happy and fat. God got us born again because he said, you know what? The first mandate that I gave man was purpose driven. The first mandate that I gave man was rule and reign. And he's never revoked that. 
The reason we get born again is because it takes us back to where we're able to understand the fact that God has put some stuff on the inside of me so that I'm a glove. And I'm looking for opportunity to get that hand in the glove with regularity. Because when that hand comes in the glove, the purpose is not so that I expand and get a bigger head. It's not so that I become more religious and more spiritual. The purpose of it is so that I can take it and I can introduce it to my humanity. I can introduce it to a world that's dying. I can introduce it to a society that's sitting saying, we're so confused. We don't actually know what's right or wrong. Make it up yourself. I believe that there is as bigger accountability for our humanity as there is for our spirituality. Yes, we have a responsibility. And we're accountable for what we do with Jesus. Yes, there is an accountability for how we grow spiritually. But I believe that there's an accountability for what you did with that and the degree to which you were able to take that and introduce it to your world. What did you do with it in your marriage? What did you do with it with your kids? What did you do with it in your work environment? What did you do with these things? There is an accountability. Tend to the garden. Don't look after the tree. For too many people, the tree in their garden is themselves. I'll look after me and everything else and everybody else is behind that. This is going to be a fantastic year. What I want you to understand is this. God is going to, people are going to move from one season of life into another season. And that season is going to come with opportunities and it's going to come with challenges. That's okay. You didn't end up there by accident. Discover what your purpose is in that situation. You're going to have opportunities that present themselves to, to you. You're going to have new endeavors that come across your path. You're going to have things that you can step into. You're going to have things that you're going to potentially sit and say, do I stay with it or go with it? You're going to find your purpose. Find your purpose. Understand that you were created in his image so that you could become a good fitting glove for the hand. The hand is there to speak to you. The hand is there to bring light and illumination. The hand is there for you to understand the reason that you have the gifting and the ability that you have got. So that you can take it and utilize it in an effective way. So that it translates into fruitfulness. Not only for who you are, but for the society in which you find yourself. This can be a fantastic year for you. This can be a fantastic year. Discover purpose. I believe that this is going to be the year of purpose. And the reason I wanted to speak about that is because I even think it's living faith. To me, that's a key driver of what 2020 is going to be. It's about purpose. It's about purpose. It's good to come in. It's good to get fed. It expands who we are. It enlarges our capacity for God. But we've got to do something with it. We have a world. We have a society. We have a Northern Virginia that is looking for life and is looking for direction. And it's time for the church to step up to the plate and do something. There are too many Christians who get born again and hold on to the grand epic story that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And they don't recognize the fact that the first commandment given to man was rule. Reign and rule. They don't recognize the fact that they are required to have influence 
in the world to tend a garden. Every one of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Each of us is different. Each of us has a different garden. Tend to it. Make this be the year where we have the home show. In December, we're having a home show. We're inviting everybody over to come and have a look at your gardens. What do you, Rita, what do you call those things where you have the, the garden? The garden tour. We're having a garden tour at the end of the year. We're inviting everybody over to come and look at your garden. Come and see. Come and see what my home looks like. Come and see what my kids look like. Come and let me have a look. Let me introduce you. Can I, can I just speak for two minutes on work? Can I, say, can I just say a couple of things? Do you know that the word vocation actually comes from the Latin word voca? And do you know what voca means? It means to call. It means to call. It means way back somewhere in English, people had the realization that your vocation is actually your calling. Your vocation is your calling. We have a strange idea about the fact that work was part of the fall. But God didn't say that. God said, tend to the garden. What was he saying? He was saying, work. The problem with it is this. We have got to a stage where because we are not fulfilling our call the way that we should, what ends up happening is we're using work in a functional capacity. So what ends up happening is I use work because work pays the bills. I use work for what I can get out of it. And to some degree, I justify it because what I say is, you know, um, I, I really try and work quite hard when I'm at work. And I use that opportunity to reflect Christ to everybody. And the money that I get from work, I use for a good purpose. And I tithe and I give to missions and whatever I want to do with it. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, except we've kind of missed the point of what work is all about. Work is about your calling. Work is about something so much more. Work is about sitting saying, God, you created me uniquely to do something, to not only take from what I'm doing, but to actually get involved in something and create something. When God created, God created something out of nothing. But he put us in a space where he says, now I want you to create something with this something. Do something with it. Doesn't matter where you are right now. Understand this. When you take the somethings that God has created in this earth and you add value to it, what ends up happening is it translates into something which is beneficial both for society and for you. Your work should be something that is God-inspired. It doesn't matter where you are right now. The thing about it is, have a look at it and sit and say, God, why am I here? And understand your purpose for being there. It's really difficult for a lot of people to be entrepreneurial and go and start your own business when you have no business experience. And sometimes you're in places where you don't understand why you're there. Ask Joseph. He had lots of places he didn't know why he was there. But the point is, everything in his life was leading him to a place and adding value to his life so that when he stepped into his ultimate purpose and his calling, what ended up happening is he was equipped to handle it. Don't despise where you are right now. You may be there. Find out from him what is the purpose.
Let me get in and let me fulfill that purpose. And if you don't like where you are, fulfill it sooner rather than later. Because when you get it done, it creates opportunities for him to sit and say, okay, you know what? Let's take that. Let's harness it. Now I'm going to introduce you to this. I want you to step from there and I want you to step into this. But you need to be equipped to be able to do it. Work is not a bad thing. Work leads to fullness. Work leads to good things. Work leads to opportunities to add value to society and to the lives of people. I told you I should have ended before I spoke about the work thing. Make it a great year. Make it a great year. Make it a purposeful year. Discover the purpose for each aspect of your life. Find out from the Holy Spirit why you were there. And when you find out why you're there, you can start making demands on provision to fulfill the purpose that you are there. 